0: יש לי ציפור קטנה בלב והיא עושה בי מנגינות,
1: של סתיו ושל אביב, חולף של אלף
0: אהבות קטנות
1: בוקר טוב
0: בוקר טוב מתן
1: בוקר אור סרה מה שלומך?
0: טוב תודה ואתה?
1: אני בסדר תודה רבה שנה טובה
0: <laughs> ah, Shana tova. <laughs> Shana
1: tova! Shana Tova! So, Sarah, who are you? How do we know each other? Uh,
0: bit on English or bit in Hebrew?
1: You want to be in Hebrew?
0: Yala, <lama> l- <laughs> <laughs> um, So, my name's is Sarah, um, and I have been studying with Matan for just over a year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I I work at a university, so I work um, in a disability support team, um, and I help um, students to um, access support so that they're able to study um, and complete degrees, masters, um, all sorts of different things. Um, So yeah, that's me.
1: (laughs) And so we started over a year ago in the SOAS Language Centre course?
0: We did, yeah, we did.
1: And so, can you tell me a little bit uh, what brought you to study Hebrew? I mean, I get that question a lot. Like, who are your students? And I think this is kind of the, the initial idea of this podcast, <laughs> to understand what brings people from different backgrounds to study this language. It's often, you know, uh, the Jewish case or the partner of an Israeli case or some kind of curiosity to the Jewish religion, which I'm not sure that's really your case, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Or are you a different category?
0: Um, To be honest, I don't really fall into any of the categories. I think, I don't really know where to start with it all, to be honest. Um, I think my initial uh, wanting to learn came from um, a trip to Israel that I took um, with my family. And some friends um and initially i, I think wanting to learn um, a little bit of hebrew um was partly because i felt really impolite not being able to tell people thank you and um please and you know all of these different things i wanted to kind of say um but didn't feel kind of like able to ask because it just felt rude asking at the time like you're in someone's country and you're kind of it, I, I don't know in my head it didn't it made sense um but also there was like this other aspect of um, my faith and and um essentially where that comes from, where that where that where that stems from. So um I'm Christian and going back to well going to Israel um kind of opened my eyes a little bit as to the foundations of, of where my faith comes from. Um was it so, was it
1: the main reason you decided with your family to go to Israel?
0: No. So I, I made the decision to go to Israel um before I came back to the church. Um, I'd left the church for a a number of years um, and my sister had, had gone out to Israel. She said it was really, really good. I had just sort of kind of come out of a breakup at that point and in my head it, like the, the trip was like a, a year and a bit away and I was thinking do you know what I, I can deal with everything else that's fine but this place has good food like there's wine I can deal with everything else you know I'll just I'll go it's, it's out of England You, <laughs> know, it will be just like um, a, a rest break for me uh-huh. so I went with my sister my mum Um, my mom's friend and then it was a a church the rest of it was a was actually a church group Um, so they had gone to go and see you know sort of like the 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 sites and the sea of galilee and jerusalem and, and all of this kind of stuff and initially when i when i signed up to go um my idea was just like you know, I can I can hang out with my family. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I could sneak away and, and look at some history and other bits and pieces. And it yeah, you know, I'll make it work for me type thing. It's so <laughs> on the on the kind of like journey up to kind of like going to Israel. Um, I I started going back to church again, and I kind of class myself as a you know sort of a fairly new Christian still. And so I I kind of class myself very much as that. Um. But it meant that the, the trip kind of took on, um, I didn't expect the trip to affect me in the way that it did. And how um,
1: did it affect you?
0: So it kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things like like Christianity is, is definitely not a Western religion. Um, <laughs> and, and I know that sounds ridiculous.
1: But I thought, I thought Israel is quite a, a Western country, but I guess uh, not really. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. Yes, I <laughs> I
0: feel, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm gonna get a lot of hate comments now. Um kind of yes and no, but like the history the history is incredible that you have there. Like I mean everything in Israel it seems to be kind of like um roughly and sort of. Like there are no kind of definites as to where things were. Yeah. But to know that you can go to a place and stand roughly, <laughs> you know, um where where people people were before you and and roughly where certain things happened um it's kind of amazing it's kind of amazing and and to kind of then look at um kind of like the the Jewish religion and kind of like the traditions and things like that and, and sort of see how closely connected they are to kind of again and I'm not going to explain this correctly and I do apologize but how closely it's connected to kind of like the the christian faith um and to kind of know that in the early days you know christianity was seen almost like as a sect of judaism and then it kind of broke away because there were a lot of differences um with very specific things or or at least that's my my understanding of it
1: so that experience made you want to start the journey of uh, learning hebrew
0: um yeah kind of um again I think that coupled with um, the fact that again, another realization that the whole old Testament is written in Hebrew is written in a, okay, right. Yeah. Different dialect of Hebrew, but Hebrew. And I remember talking to the tour guide and he was saying that potentially you could, you could read um, the Tanakh in Hebrew. Um, You know, if you, if you learned modern Hebrew and then you kind of had like a, you might need a dictionary for some of the words, but there are, you know, you can pick up a general understanding or at least that's, I'm not sure whether that's right. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It
0: is. Well, well, yeah. Haven't we
1: read some Bible stuff in our modern Hebrew? I think we have, yeah. You know, I used to hate. We learn uh, Torah from (laughs) second grade. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And even though these are nice stories, I always as a child had a feeling that they're trying to, you know, put Torah and religion in my head where I'm not interested in that, you know? Okay. But anyway, for me, you know, I'm quite a political person and a bit activist. And I know that you are not a political person. Um, but I have to say that when I think about, you know, these uh, Christian religious trips uh, who go mm-hmm. to Israel, and I remember going with a partner to Sinai, actually, in Egypt, and hearing mm-hmm. like some uh, South American Christians shouting to God or whatever. Uh, but always I see them... I see this industry as a way to get people closer to Israel without opening their eyes to the political situation in Palestine, because yeah. often many of them, even if they do go to Bethlehem, they don't mm-hmm. go to to see, you know, the Palestinian refugee camps, etc. You know, so there is that specifically about those uh, Christian tours to Israel, and more generally, Christians who love Israel, uh, mostly evangelical. So that's more in the United States context. <laughs> that is quite troubling, to say the least.
0: So yeah, I I got that feeling a lot when I was when I was on the tour. Um, that there were a lot of people out there who. You, you know sort of like loved israel and and loved um the fact that you could go to these places where the where the bible was but then the understanding of what's going on and understanding that there are different opinions as well it kind of feels like that the, there isn't kind of like uh it's it's not black and white like yeah. it, it's it's very gray <laughs> and, yeah. and yeah. muddy and for me i find it difficult to talk about the subject because i am a, a western woman who has never lived in israel who has never had to go through anything that you know, either, you know, Palestinian person might have to go through or, or an Israeli person or Arab person might have to go through. Um and yet I find myself when, you know, I say I'm learning Hebrew or, you know, show any kind of interest in Israel whatsoever with people, you know, making their own agendas as to as to who I am, as to as to what I believe, as to what I think, what I understand. Um and often I find sometimes that that people can you know, that the things that they do come out with are kind of based on facebook things like you know like the facebook yeah. memes that will just get published and and no one does any reading no one no one tries to understand it a little bit deeper i mean my my tour guides that we that we went with he was fantastic and he um he has a very you know he has an opinion of, of, of certain things um but he recommends books to me um so like so i get to read these books and then of course i get to kind of like talk to you. And I, I get to hear your aspect and your side of things and, and, and your understanding of things. And then I go out and I read other things. um, So I, I try to um, listen to a podcast. And, and it was this lady who um, emigrated to um, Israel, um, a Jewish lady. Um, and she said, um, she said that when she got there, the, the one bit of advice that she was given is to wait for 10 years um, and before you form a political opinion, um, because after ten years you would have you would have seen enough and, and learned enough to, to kind of have that kind of opinion. Yeah. And for me, like as it, it made me chuckle, because looking at it, it is so it feels so complex and yeah, yeah. I, so do, I do
1: understand that. where those arguments come from. You know, it is complex. Um, it's very grey. At the same time. You know, please wait before you have an opinion, which the mm. which underline is you have to read and know really a lot before you have an opinion. You, ju- you don't want to just follow, uh, you know, slogans on Facebook like you're saying. But at the same time, I think those uh, statements also encourage uh, political passiveness. You know, mm-hmm. and I remember a guy in South Africa who was uh, a son of uh, an anti-apartheid activist who told me, you know, I don't know much about what happens in Israel, but when I see it and I'm there and I feel this is morally wrong, and then this is the sound that I'm following. This shouldn't happen. And And so, of course... Always encouraging to learn and to read and different perspectives, etc. But you also have to, you know, follow your uh, morals. So I absolutely, know, something to, to think about.
0: Absolutely, but that becomes quite difficult when um, the things that you are exposed to, um, like like especially kind of like on social media and in the news, are sometimes filmed from certain angles or certain sometimes reported from certain angles. So it makes it difficult to to kind of know, like, what do you trust as to what you are seeing? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So like, and, and like, what, like, and,
1: what, when, how, hmm. and, and and also, how how do you perceive that specific angle to be? So how, what would exactly. you say the BBC, for example, is uh, uh, perspective is? Is it pro-Israeli, pro-Palestinian, or
0: not? <laughs> what? Do you know? What? I I have absolutely no idea anymore. I, I just think it's where the money is, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> um, yeah. which is probably a terrible thing to say. But um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it feels like some, some years it's it's pro, some years it's against. Some, I, I don't think anyone can kind of make up their
1: mind. <laughs> so where did you do your uh, bachelor? Bachelors? Yeah, like the, your university years?
0: Um, so I never actually went to university. At all. Okay, um, let me
1: ask it again because I'm <laughs> I was like, should I ask sorry. Okay. So did you go to university?
0: No, no, I didn't go to university. Um I was told when I was in school um, that I would never be good enough to study in university. Oh no. Um well it it kind of yeah, sort of swings and roundabouts. It's it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um
1: is it about your dyslexia?
0: Yeah. I mean like um, back in the day, it wasn't very well known. Um, it wasn't that there wasn't a lot of support out there for students who had it um, or who have it. There wasn't a lot of understanding about it. Um, there were a few people in education who believed that it, it impacted things like intelligence and, and and things like that, which is completely inaccurate. It's about processing. It's about how you how you kind of absorb that information. Yeah. Um, but. I mean, I had always been good, I was always, always been better kind of like working with my hands anyway. So, um, and I'd, from a young age, always wanted to cook. So I ended up going into college um, and I got like um, my MVQs in, in professional catering and hotel hospitality. And I also completed basic and advanced pastry as well. So I, I passed with distinctions and credits all the way through that. Um, so I like it, it's not, yeah, It's it's not that,
1: Okay, so where, where have you formed... I, I ask specifically about university because I think that campuses happen to be a very political pl- a place, mm. um, uh, also around the issue of Israel and Palestine. But where have you received your uh, conscience about, you know, maybe not just about uh, Israel, maybe also about uh, British colonial history, And those sorts of things which are often not taught in school?
0: These are really good questions, Matan. Thank you. Really good questions. Um, So, I think um, it's difficult to explain. Like, depending on where you went, um, depend on the... um, Right. I don't know whether were, that, that makes sense. You were
1: sense. told when, as a child that uh, Britain was a huge uh, and powerful empire, and it's not anymore. So, how do you read that history, and what made you see it differently, if at all?
0: <laughs> um, so, really, with education, um, they sort of tend to brush over that a little bit. Like, so you do know that you know that Britain was a humongous empire, but they kind of leave, you know leave out quite important details like um what we actually did to the people that were already living there and the things that we kind of put them through um and i don't think really though it hit home um that there were any issues because you, you don't really think about it until you are in a situation in it and it kind of hits you
1: which um, situation were you in that made so, you
0: <laughs> so i worked in france uh, for a little while when i was 21 um, I worked in a chalet and I was cooking. I was cooking for that chalet. Um, and we used to go to like the, we call them borders bars. Um, but essentially they, would, uh, they were just like pubs for the <laughs> for the people that had been on the, the slopes all day. Yeah. So we'd hang out there with the cool kids. Um, but the, the beautiful thing about working in France was that you'd get people from all over the world um, kind of working in one spot. So you'd have people from Australia, you know, people from, you know, all different countries who knew how to, you know, sort of snowboard and just wanted to make a bit of money and you know do what they loved what I found when I was in those pubs and in those places is when you were talking to someone they'd ask you where you were from and if I said you know oh yeah I'm from England the conversation would kind of drop <laughs> like, and I couldn't work it out I couldn't work out I'm like drop. yeah like drop like like it would just kind of oh oh <laughs> yeah
1: really? like
0: yeah and I couldn't how did you I,
1: interpret this oh
0: I, I just, I, I didn't understand it for a long, long time. I didn't understand it. But when I, when my friends would kind of like talk, like, so I was working with someone who was from Ireland, you know, whenever they say, oh yeah, I'm Irish, it would be just like, oh, you're Irish. That's amazing. You know, so, and I suddenly realized that the British have this, like, it's like, we don't realize that we have it, but we do this weird reputation. Um, and, or I don't know, it's like this weird undercurrent. Um, so that when you go anywhere and you tell someone that you're English, um, I don't know. It's it's like the body language changes changes a little bit, and I'm not sure why. I don't know whether that's just me picking that up or whether that is something that, that is
1: similar in your trip to Israel, or did you or were you a lot more welcome? Because obviously we don't we don't see our ongoing type of colonization. So mm. you know. Uh, so obviously we won't be too critical, most of us, with uh, with the British Empire history.
0: Wow, again, a good question. No, I, I didn't see that in Israel. I didn't see that in Israel. Um, the people that I met were just genuinely lovely human beings, like so much fun. Yeah. Um, but um, I found kind of like in places like France, um, in places like Greece as well, like... Um, But the more I see, I think, of of kind of like British tourists and how we treat places when we go, where we go, um, the more I kind of understand it. Like, I don't know, again, if that makes sense, but. um,
1: I don't know. I mean, you can have these. I know in Spain, uh, there's this view of British tourists who, you know, go to the beaches and get drunk and, you know, not that positive. I mean, of Mm. course, there's a big generalization, but it's out there. It exists and then there's the other part about the you know getting this O or you know just like because of your history as if you are as as if you hold the responsibility to what your grand grandparents did back in the days of the empire
0: Mm. yeah that that there is kind of that weird mix of um, stuff that we need to own. Like like you said, going to beaches, getting drunk and generally causing a nuisance of ourselves. And stuff that, um, like you said, we, we're kind of still carrying um, from great-great-grandparents, which I...
1: Yeah, so let's talk <laughs> about being British, which I really wanted to ask you. I don't know why. I have a, a feeling that you would be a, a good person to explain to me what is being English or being British or others of the same. So I've noticed, so yeah, so what is it? How would oh, you describe it?
0: Gosh. Um, so for me, being English is, it's, you know, when we when we talk about this stuff in, in our lessons um, and then we ask about where we're from and who we are, um, I find it really difficult um, <laughs> to kind of come across and say, yeah, I'm English. I wrote, yeah, I'm British. Um, I think the reason behind that is because when I was, uh, younger, uh, well, I was I wasn't born here. I was born in Germany. Um, my parents um, were worked on an RAF base camp, um, and so I didn't move to the UK until I was around about three, nearly four. Um, now, when I went into school, um, it you know, and other kids kind of found out. It, it kind of soon became a problem um, that I wasn't born in the UK, and and so. certain things kind of like happened that that really shouldn't have um and and it was because you know that that they felt that I was less than that I that I shouldn't I shouldn't be here however you know all my documents all my all my passports you know everything like that says that says that I am British um it's just that I wasn't I was born on sovereign territory I just wasn't born like in Dover or something um but yeah for me when people kind of like you know, say that you know. Ask, are you British or whatever? I, I tend to be a bit, I don't know, a bit hesitant. Um,
1: you were just, just so judged. Not you were not seen as a proper British just because you were not born there.
0: Um, pretty much. I mean, like it, it got fairly serious. I mean, like I, I like through school school was horrendous for me. So like, um, like, cause I'm already, I'm already a bit weird. I'm already a bit different. Um, and then if you add on top of that, that you're not born in this country, um, and, um, it, it kind of makes things worse. And for me, um, like school was like some form of torture. Um, I, I had my wrist broken. I had my ankle broken. I, you know, had most of my fingers broken at, at different points. Um, like there was one particular occasion where I almost lost a sight in one of my eyes. Like, like it like it got serious. You know, it got really, <laughs> really yeah, bad. I'm so sorry
1: to hear, but yeah, I mean
0: I, but, I mean it's always, it's not
1: we all have our traumas from school.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's not the end of the world and it it you know, you do come out of it kind of different. But um yeah, it's so like I said, for me, when, when people kind of like ask me kind of like, what is it to be British? What, you know, I I tend to kind of shy away a little bit. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand. But you did say, and I quote only in this que- conversation, it is maybe rude to ask, I'm really sorry, but... So that's very British. Why are you <laughs> so apologetic? And so sorry about everything. Where does that come from?
0: Oh my gosh, um, I have no idea. But the, the terrible thing is, if we then become apologetic about being apologetic. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry for being sorry, Mata. I will try to be less sorry in future. Um, I I don't know. stronger
1: than you, <laughs> you have to be sorry all the time. So I wanted to ask you. You mentioned. Um, you having dyslexia and mm-hmm. and i've noticed that you're a bit slower although you did such an amazing pro progress in your hebrew journey mm-hmm. and, and you advanced so much obviously um do you wanna tell me a little bit about that um just because i've i've got the impression that you know back in the days when When you were in school, dyslexia was something, it's not as it is perceived today. No,
0: it's very, very different. (laughs) So going through school, um, I was never formally diagnosed. It wasn't until I started studying. I mean, I said I didn't go to university, but I did actually study with the Open University for um, for a year, and um, because I wanted to see what the process was like for for a student who experiences um, an SBLD, so experiences a specific learning difficulty like dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, any of those kind of things. I wanted to know what the process was for them accessing disabled students allowance, what the process was for them being formally diagnosed, and I wanted to be able to use that experience to then support the person that I was. I was talking to on the end of the phone. Yeah. So I went through that process myself. And part of that process was being formally diagnosed with a, with an SBLD. So, so yeah, it wasn't until I was around about 31, 30, 31 that I was formally diagnosed. Um, now the formal diagnosis is like a, a, a three hour, <laughs> three hour process. Yeah. Um, and it looks at um, kind of like your memory, kind of like the way you recall stuff. Um, it looks at um, uh, being able to kind of write and and and, and how your writing and your spellings affected. It looks at a whole bunch of different things, um, and it gives you a formal diagnosis. And it also gives you kind of like uh, tips as to how to how to support yourself going through study. Yeah. And um, what was really cool though from it um, was that. Going through that process, it made you realise how many coping strategies my brain puts in place to be able to help me kind of learn. Yeah. Um, so, for example, my peer who may not, you know, who who doesn't have dyslexia, when they when they're learning, it's it's literally it's it, it can be quite straightforward for them to be able to learn, to be able to pick up information, whereas sometimes with my brain, like I need to um, <laughs> kind of listen to the information again or um, repeat it over and over again um, so that I'm able to absorb the information. And once it's there, and once I've got that connection, it's, it's all good. But it just means I have to work like two or three times harder to get the same results as someone without it.
1: How was it to learn a new language and such a different language with different alphabet for you as a dyslect?
0: it's insane um like i had people like my sister was just like are you sure are you sure you want to? you do realize and i was just like yeah let's let's just do it let's just let's just go for it but um it was it was hard it was really really hard um but i i i can't believe how much that you know i've been able like i've been able to grow in this and and although I, uh, like you said, I I learn a lot slower and I'm not as as confident as some of my peers in your class. The point is, is that I'm learning and that I am able and that I can confidently go to Israel and ask them for milk and um, milk and sugar in my tea. You know, that's, (laughs) you know, like there are these, there are these little victories that that kind of like I'm experiencing and okay, right. Yeah. It's not been straightforward and it's not been easy, but just keep on going forward with it and and I've I've gone from coming to your class for the first time and like being super anxious and super kind of like literally on the verge of I just want to get up and walk out what am I doing here oh my goodness you know all of these things going around my around in my head to kind of you know being able to read um Hebrew text on my own and uh, you know being able to um go through little workbooks and stuff like that on my own and you know knowing nothing about the alphabet at all to, to, to being able to read you know a doctor's use book in Hebrew yeah. like it's incredible Matan you should be so proud of yourself you, you've oh, taught me <laughs> I, yeah but, um, I'm
1: happy to help uh, people with uh, you know with beyond being able to speak and read in Hebrew so that's great
0: but yeah so it, it's it's not easy it's not easy but um it's doable it's you
1: doable. know <laughs> sounds like it's quite fulfilling Okay, Sarah, and I haven't mentioned uh, to our listeners that uh, you are a Gingit, and okay. I am a sort of a Gingit, you're like a proper Gingit. Okay. Originalit, originalit, yeah, the original, <laughs> and I am just almost. Uh, so apparently it's something that I used to be really ashamed of as a child, because in Israel, being a, a Gingit child, is not good. but Same in, in England. So is in England. But you have so it many is. gingers.
0: I know, but we're, we're like, oh my goodness! There are so many jokes. Oh, there are so many jokes. Yeah, like
1: they just hate us all the way <laughs> against the ginger kind. But uh, yeah, as an adult, I'm trying to uh, to own my gingerness. But many now tell me that I'm not a real ginger. So you know, what can we do?
0: oh it's all right Matt and we'll accept you you can be an honorary ginger
1: <laughs> okay cool so Sarah it's been lovely speaking to you about uh, your trip to Israel and about your Christianity and about uh, your dyslexia and thank you for being and about being British uh, English and ginger and <laughs> uh, and uh, thanks for your honesty and I wish you again shanah
0: שנה טובה מתן, תודה
1: תודה לך
0: תודה, <תודה>